turn your Bible to Revelation chapter 2, please. Revelation chapter 2, beginning with verse 18. Revelation 2, beginning with verse 18. <clears throat> and under the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works, and charity, and service, and faith, and the patience, and thy works, and the last to be more than the first, notwithstanding. I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I give her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not done and been part of this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden, but that which ye have already held, which you have already hold fast till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my Father. And I will give him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. I want you to notice that passage in verse 18. These things saith the Son of God. And when you think of the book of Revelation, you think of the outline in chapter 1, verse 19, when John was told, write the things which you have seen, the vision of the glorified Christ in chapter 1. Write the things which are, chapters 2 and 3, the church age. And he mentions seven churches. And then he says, write the things which shall be, all future, beginning with chapter 4 and going out to the end of the age when Christ shall come the second time. Now, when he deals with the churches, the seven churches of Asia Minor, he mentions Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. We have already studied the church at Ephesus that it left its first love. Last week we looked at the church at Smyrna, the church under suffering, and in that word Smyrna, you could hear myrrh. And you remember the wise men brought gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Myrrh was an anointing for burial. And in the church at Smyrna, he was saying, you're going to suffer. But be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee the crown of life. These seven churches also roughly outline the church age each age through these so far 2,000 years. Church at Ephesus, 
symbolizing the first century, the church that had left its first love. The church at Smyrna, symbolizing the time period from 100 to 316 AD, a period of terrible persecution and suffering. The church at Pergamon, mixed with the world from the year 316 to 1000 AD. The church at Thyatira from 1000 to 1517. The church at Sardis from 1517 to 1700. The Philadelphia church from 1700 to the year 1950. And the Laodicean church, some believe beginning in 1950 and continuing till the coming of the Lord. These are various periods of the church age. Today we're looking at the church at Thyatira. The church at Thyatira was a church with no standards, a church with confused doctrine will soon become a church with no standards. And that's what happened at Thyatira. I want you to notice, he said, I know your works. God knows all about us. He said, I know your works, your charity, your service, your faith, your patience. I know all about it. He was commending them. Not everything in Thyatira was bad. He said, they have a lot of energy. They look like they're really doing something. There are great crowds that come. They've reached a lot of people. Perhaps they're standing room only. You're doing an unbelievable task of getting folks involved and energized and, and getting them to enjoy their uh, church life. But he said, uh, in doing that, you've compromised. He said, I have somewhat against you, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed to idols. Now think for a moment about Jezebel. Jezebel was the daughter of Ethbaal. She was from Tyre and Sidon. She married Ahab, and together Jezebel and Ahab are considered the most abusive king and queen in all of Israel's history. Nobody today ever names their daughter Jezebel. Jezebel became a synonym for wickedness. Now notice she was a Baal worshiper. And when she married Ahab, she realized that Israel served the Lord God. And so in a compromising fashion, she tried to convince the people of Israel, not necessarily to leave Jehovah worship, but she introduced Baal worship with it. And she said, now you must be tolerant. We're pluralistic. We have a lot of different people from different religions in this country now. And we need to be eclectic, borrow a little bit from Baalism, borrow a little bit from Jehovah worship, borrow a little bit from the Hittites and the Jebusites and all the others, and just be tolerant. Now in the day in which Jesus wrote this letter to Thyatira, there were trade unions in Thyatira 
which were maybe some like the Christmas parties that some companies put on today. They often had those at the temples of heathendom, paganism. And they would go and they would expect you to say Caesar is Lord and put a little incense on a pagan god as you came into that trade union party. And Jezebel was saying, well, it's okay. That doesn't, you don't have to mean it in your heart. You're just doing it outwardly. You, you just need to do that so you can get along with people. If you do that, you can win them better to your position. God said, I hate that. I hate that. There are people today that do the same thing. There are folks that say, well, it's all right to go uh, to these various parties where you have to compromise, where they serve all kinds of drinks and do all kinds of things and have floor shows and dances and half-nude people. It's all right. You know your heart doesn't have to be in that. You know you're a Christian. You know you're okay. You just do that because the boss wants you to do it. The company wants you to do it. And after all, if you raise a row, you won't be very accepted and you won't have much of a testimony. So the best thing to do is go on and keep your mouth shut and do it. God said, I hate that. That's compromise. He said, you have that woman Jezebel who says she's a prophetess and she's encouraging my people to offer meat, to take meat offered to idols. Now remember that when the people would go to these trade unions and these guild places, almost all of them would take meat that had been sacrificed to pagan idols and they'd serve it for the meal. God said, don't do that. Amen. And Jezebel said, well, it really won't hurt. Now, now Jezebel apparently was a, a type or a symbol of some woman, either in the congregation or a philosophy of Jezebelism, left over from the times of Ahab and Jezebel, which said, it's okay to compromise. It's all right to do those kind of things. They won't hurt you. After all, all the water in the world can't sink a ship unless it gets inside. So you can just go on and do these things outwardly and it, it won't matter. Jesus said, I hate that. You know, the church at Thyatira had a name that was really, really doing something. They were bringing people in and there was a lot of excitement. A person going there would think, man, that's really, really something. They must have something going great because there's so many people there. God said a crowd doesn't make a church. And then he said, another thing about Jezebel, she's causing my people to commit fornication. Now some have assumed that this meant spiritual adultery the Old Testament's full of it. Over and over again, the prophets cried out, you're adulterous people, not always meaning that they had committed physical adultery, but they had left their own God. They were serving other gods. They're going whoring after other gods. 
And uh, some believe that this is what Jezebel was teaching them or the philosophy of Jezebel was teaching the people. Uh, it's all right to compromise. But on the other hand, there were those in Thyatira in the name of pagan gods who were saying, it's all right to sin. As a matter of fact, you ought to sin. You ought to experiment with it so you'll know why to be against it. This is like saying young people have to sow their wild oats so they'll know what to be against in later years. That was a form of the Just don't get addicted to it. Don't, just don't get overwhelmed with it. Now we have people like that today concerning drugs. Nobody means to really get hooked on drugs. Nobody really means to get hooked on alcohol. I've never known a young person say, oh, I want to become an alcoholic and slobber all over everything and vomit all over everything and make my home a mess. I'm going to set out to do that. I don't know anybody that ever did that. You know how they got that way? Somebody said, well, here's a little social drink. It won't hurt you. Everybody's doing it. Come on. You take a little sip. And the saps take it. Not knowing that they probably have within them an excess type of experience. They take a little bit of it and they like it. They take a little bit more and they like it more. Any of you know, who know me well I know that I'm a little bit extreme. Some people call it fanaticism, excessivism. Going down the highway, it's hard for me to drive 30 miles an hour. I'd rather be on the Autobahn in Germany and drive 150. We don't have any roads like that here, which we did have. I'm glad that when I was a junior boy, a man came to our church in Louisville and asked us to sign a little statement saying, I will not take liquor. Amen. I signed it. Amen. And I went through those teen years I didn't have to take it because I already committed myself. I already made up my mind. When I got out with the crowd, I already knew what I was going to do. I had decided ahead of time. And listen, young people, there's some things you need to decide ahead of time. You don't have to wait till you get tempted. You don't have to wait till you get to the crowd. You need to know ahead of time what you're going to do about it. Well, the Jezebelian philosophy said, uh, go on and try it. You won't know what it's like till you try it. You think about getting married someday? Well, try the girl or the guy out. See if you're going to be compatible. That's today's philosophy. God says no. Amen. That makes me sick. I hate that. Jesus said at Thyatira, you have a great big congregation. But in order to have that great big congregation, you've watered it down 
so that you don't take any stands on sin. You, you don't name sin. You're afraid you might hurt somebody. You know in some churches preachers' tongues are tied and their hands are tied and they have a body of deacons that won't, won't let them say anything. If I were in a church like that, I'd say it anyway even if they fired me. Thank God we've never had deacons like that. We have deacons that love God. We have deacons that don't drink. They don't dance. They don't look at pornography. They don't smoke. We have deacons that love God. I've never had any deacon try to tell me what to preach. I'm glad. I've had a few people in the congregation that told me what to preach. I love them. Most of them move their membership somewhere else. I'm not bragging about it. I'm just saying the man of God has to answer up there. You see, the preacher's not a hireling. He's called by God. He's not hired. Some churches had the idea years ago where they hire their preacher. No, oh, they don't hire their preacher. Their preacher's a shepherd. If you're a hireling, shame on you. Amen. At Thyatira, Jesus said, now you tell that angel of the church at Thyatira, that's the preacher, the pastor, he said, you tell them to say these things. And he had the nerve to say them. He said, I hate that doctrine, the doctrine of compromise. But he said, not everybody's done it. Thank God for that. He said, unto you, unto the rest in fire tires, many as have not had this doctrine, which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you no other burden, but that which ye have already, hold fast till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth the works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. Do you know what? When you serve the Lord, you're going to have an influential power over the nations. Amen. Right now, America has a military power over the nations. Did you know at one time we had an influence power over the nations? Now, still, everybody wants to come to America because it's so free and there's so much good enterprise and you can make good salaries and there's freedom here. We don't have very many friends around the world. Taiwan was our friend. Israel has been our friend. Amen. You name some others. England may be. The rest of the world hates America. Why? We've abused our power. And I want to tell you, if you'll stand firm for the Lord, if you'll stand where God wants you to stand, they may revile you and they may say all manner of evil against you falsely. They may call you a fanatic, but when they get in trouble, they'll call you. Amen. I could give you a lot of illustrations about that, but I won't this morning. My time is very limited. But let me say this. Friend, if you'll stand for Jesus, 
when the going gets tough, you're going to be respected. That's what Jesus was saying to Thyatira. He said, I'm going to judge those people that have swallowed hook, line, and sinker this philosophy of Jezebel, compromise. But he said, I'm going to give the morning star to those that stand true. Amen. What is the morning star? Some have thought that meant Daniel 12, 3, they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. And that may be true, but the morning star is Jesus himself. Amen. I'm going to give you a double dose of Jesus. He's going to live in your life and he's going to radiate out of your life and there'll be a winsomeness about you that people will want. It only comes by putting your faith in Jesus Christ, trusting Him, loving Him, serving, living for Him. Is there anybody here today who loves my Savior? Is there anybody here who loves my Lord? Would you, deep in your heart, say, Dear Lord, I don't want to be a compromise. I want to stand true to the things of God. If you're not saved, would you open your heart to Christ? If you are saved, would you say, Lord, today I commit myself to be what God wants me to be as a real Christian? Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the warning to the church at Thyatira. We pray that we would accept that warning here and that the Holy Spirit would guide us and would fill us that we would walk with the King in the light of His Word. Help us to know that without Jesus, we can do nothing. But with Him, nothing is impossible. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, please. As we sing, what page number? 468. 468. Without Him, I can do nothing. Number 468. As we sing this great hymn, if you're here and you're not saved, You've never really given your heart to Christ. Why don't you come today and say, I want to give my heart to Jesus Christ. Trust him as my savior. If your membership is in some other church and God wants you at Glendale, why not come today and say, by the grace of God, I want to be part of this church. There may be some who have been saved but have not been baptized. And you need to come and say, I'm willing to be baptized. I'm ready whenever you can arrange for it. Tonight or next Sunday, I'm ready. You do what God tells you to do while we begin to sing, without him I can do nothing.